There is no denying that today our world has been revolutionized by politics and also by the economic agenda, from the country all the way to China and also the United States of America. Both countries today are also in another type of competition, which is technology. All the way from artificial intelligence, and also today one of the hottest topics that we're addressing, which is ChatGPT. Here's an interesting question: What is the ChatGPT, and how should we understand the existence of this mechanism? Some believe because the revolution of ChatGPT could actually bring harm to the artificial intelligence in the long run. Well, how about that? And does that mean the ChatGPT is going to replace the existence of artificial intelligence? And what about the issues and the problems cannot be solved by technology today? Is China actually winning the war in technology nowadays? Well, ladies and gentlemen, in this episode, we are going to address all those questions by speaking to our distinguished speaker, which is Dr. Shakavorty. Again, Dr. Shakavorty is the dean of a global business at Tufts University's Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy. He is the founding executive director of the Fletcher Institute for Business in the Global Context, where he established and chairs the Digital Planet Research Program. Well, Professor Shakavorty, and welcome back to the Missing Piece. Thank you for having me. Will always good to talk to you. Well, Professor, I want to get started again. As we mentioned before today, when we are talking about you know all those buzzwords that related to technological advancement, all the way from artificial intelligence and to ChatGPT, let's go to the ChatGPT for a second. Recently, you came out with a brand new article, which is entitled "How GPT Mania Could Harm AI Innovation." Professor, help us to understand what is actually the definition or the function of ChatGPT, and why is it so popular today, globally speaking? Yeah, thank you for the question, Will. But、uh, ChatGPT is—I、um, I guess you know—that's the informal term, the more uh, uh, nerdy way of uh, describing uh, this uh, suite of applications of artificial intelligence. Is a GPT or generative pre-trainer transformer, and、mm. it's a type of、uh, generative art- artificial intelligence and. Uh, the way it works is by uh, using uh, neural networks、uh, that are essentially large language models that are trained on、uh, massive amounts of data, and、uh, a lot of the data is open access. And depending on who the trainer is, you might have access to an enormous amount of proprietary data as well. And at the other end,、uh, what these algorithms allow you to do、uh, post training is that. It can perform many different tasks that we,、uh, you know, normally、uh, would do ourselves, or turn to uh, uh, an incredibly efficient and knowledgeable、uh, assistant. So it could involve things such as answering questions to a prompt, or um, uh, it could uh, allow you to uh, write an essay based on the prompt、mm-hmm. you give them. Or create images based on、uh, you know、uh, questions and prompts, and even generate.、Uh, 
lines of code in a mm. program or a cooking recipe or some kind of a formula. And all of this done in, uh, in natural language, uh, easily understandable language. So the distinction between <clears throat> um, the, the answer you get from uh, a GPT uh, algorithm uh, relative to something that we all um, use and recognize, uh, the search bar on Google, uh, is that uh, the search bar on Google, when you ask it a question or you put in a search term, it will respond with a series of links to other web pages. Mm. And here, GPT is going to respond uh, in, you know, a narrative form and essentially synthesize uh, the, I, you know, the information from many different sources into, uh, uh, you know, essentially a chat that, mm. um, you know, we all recognize as human beings as a regular answer to a regular question. Well, Professor, again, you know, it's so interesting and fascinating to hear how this machine can actually do the work or perform even much better than human brains. But meanwhile, in reality, again, I want to go back to the article. It's so I guess it's amusing to see the title of your article that says that the existence of the chat GPT could actually harm the AI innovation. Because again, several years ago, correct me if I'm wrong, when artificial intelligence appear on the market, everyone believed the whole world will be revolutionized to the next level. But meanwhile, experts also point out that this machine or this mechanism is full of loopholes and also mistakes. So in other words, it's rather dangerous to place the 100% reliability on it. But now what is actually conflict between the GPT and the AI uh, innovation today? And why do you think the existence of GPT could actually harm the development of artificial intelligence? What do you say to that, sir? Sure. So I, you know, a, a couple of things I want to clarify. One is uh, it's not entirely clear that uh, a, a GPT algorithm or chat GPT uh, necessarily does things better than a human being. Mm. Uh, it does something uh, in terms of uh, its response, uh, which seems like uh, there is a human who's responding. And uh, in some cases, the response is better than what a human can do, like, you know, a typical human you come across. And in many other cases, it does not. So mm. uh, so it's not there yet in terms of exceeding the capacity of uh, all humans or even the average human, just depending on the circumstance and the context. Right. Mm. So this uh, we just have to be clear that we're you know still very, very early mm. in uh, the development of this, you know, potentially exciting, uh, you know, area of uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, it is of course, very clear that uh, the state of development has been astoundingly fast mm -hmm. and uh, the response one gets from uh, a chat GPT uh, is, uh, is quite impressive. And uh, in many ways, uh, people uh, on the other end, uh, when they're submitting a question or submitting a prompt, may not be able to tell the difference between, uh, you know, whether this has been responded uh, or an essay has been created by a human being or by a machine. Mm. So that is very impressive. Uh, so I just want to clarify that we're not still better than human beings. Mm. Um, second is the um, uh, the fact that, you know, what you just noted, 
the response you get from uh, GPT uh, is not 100% accurate. Uh, you know, it basically uh, goes out and starts looking at all the data that uh, its algorithms are trained on mm-hmm. uh, in order to come back with an answer to your question. And sometimes the data is, uh, you know, is, is incorrect. Sometimes the data is missing. Uh, you know, sometimes the data is contradictory. And uh, what the algorithm does is it, uh, I mean, there's nothing evil built into the algorithm, but it does its best. And uh, it, you know, it sort of integrates whatever it finds. And when it doesn't find the information it's looking for, sometimes it just sort of fills in the gaps Mm -hmm. and essentially makes things up. So you might end up with a response uh, that is, uh, you know, on target. It could be uh, mildly off target or it could be completely false. So all of that is possible. Uh, So that's and that's an issue. And of course, it could undermine confidence in uh, artificial intelligence. So, you know, that's one reason to you know continue to watch it and uh, be careful about how one uses it. But my argument as to why um, GPT mania, uh, and I say GPT mania because we now cannot uh, turn anywhere uh, mm. and not learn about, uh, you know, the latest uh, 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 craze about GPT and the GPT race that has developed, uh, you know, not only across com- companies, but across countries, in particular, the US and China uh, are in a race, you know, not just for AI dominance, but for GPT dominance. So we're just sort of hearing about this everywhere. So my concern is that that um, uh, the race to dominate this space is going to divert essential resources Mm. towards uh, the GPT applications and potentially take those scarce resources away from other applications of AI, in particular, societally more meaningful applications Mm. of artificial intelligence. And an example of that is... uh, application of AI to uh, saving human life, uh, whether it's in healthcare or drug development or uh, a response to a disaster, uh, AI has increasingly become a critical tool uh, in those areas. And uh, there is an enormous amount of uh, you know opportunity uh, to deploy this powerful technology. There. And my concern is now with uh, you know the major Silicon Valley firms or uh, the major firms in Shenzhen, uh, you know all uh, you know putting the resources, the AI resources into chat GPT or GPT, you know, new generations of GPT, uh, we are going to be slowing down and potentially even hurting uh, the process of innovation in these more important areas of AI. Professor, again, I'm very glad that you mentioned the two countries. As I also mentioned before, today, when we talk about this competitive race between China and the U.S., it's beyond political or economic agenda. Now, technological advancement topped the priority, again, despite what the naysayers were, despite the media reports. And also, I want to go back to the article. Again, Professor, this is something that you wrote. You said the intense focus on the GPT race in both countries has led to even further rifts between Washington and Beijing. Now, help us understand As you mentioned, Professor, GPT, it's a brand new type of mechanism. It's a brand new type of product. But everyone is asking the question, since it's brand new, what 
is the problem with collaboration. So in other words, if we just put political and social economic differences on the site, in order to advance these technological tools, in order to receive much greater benefits for the human race, why the two countries cannot collaborate and we have to see the rift or we have to see this competitiveness between the two countries. How would you explain that, Dr. Shakavori? Sure. sure, I think uh, it's interesting that you raised this you know, notion of collaboration versus competition between the two uh, technological superpowers, mm. the United States and China. Uh, and this may come as a surprise to um, uh, a lot of your listeners. Uh, actually, the United States and China are uh, a huge collaborators mm. uh, on artificial intelligence. The number of uh, AI research collaborations between uh, American and Chinese teams increased four times since uh, 2010. Mm. Increased four times. Okay, uh, so uh, there has been a lot of uh, you know cooperative work going on, uh, and I think a lot of people will find that very very surprising. And what happened was pre-pandemic, right around 2019, uh, it hit its peak. And since then, it's been declining. And uh, even after the decline, the US and China are the biggest collaborators on our artificial intelligence, mm. simply because you know the massive amount of research that's being done in this area are in these two countries. Mm. So um, what has happened is post this GPT mania, uh, both countries are now focusing their talent and money and data uh, and other resources towards uh, their own domin dominance of this area. Mm. So uh, we are going to see uh, an intense refocus on your own development rather than the collective development. Because as I said, we are in a race in terms of who's going to get ahead in this GPT That's area. right. Uh, so we, we're definitely witnessing a, a, a competition. The second point uh, is useful to make is that the resources we're talking about, they're all in short supply. Mm. They're all in short supply. The most important resource in artificial intelligence is actually human intelligence. It takes real human beings to uh, you know, uh, develop these uh, algorithms, to train these algorithms, to find the right data sets, and uh, then to be able to interpret what happens at the other end. And that requires an enormous amount of trained uh, technologists, not just machine learning uh, technologies, data analytics technologists, uh, other engineers, uh, people who are coders, people who are design thinkers, people who are project managers. These are skills that are in short supply. So, uh, each country and each company is uh, uh, going to be allocating it to one project or the other. And if you're in a GPT race, you'll be allocating it towards uh, all things GPT. Mm. Uh, in addition to the people, uh, what's missing or what's what's limited is money. Mm. Uh, another thing that's limited is data. Uh, these algorithms learn from access to vast amounts of data. And data has to be accessible. It's not just enough for data to be generated. Data has to be accessible. Today, China is the world's largest consumer and producer of data. Mm. Uh, the United States is number two. And uh, so whoever has access to those massive pools of data does have access to uh, a huge resource for training algorithms. Mm. And finally, a really important resource is uh, the uh, uh, what I would call the governance resource mm. uh, that includes uh, regulators, uh, ethicists, 
uh, thought leaders who uh, you know understand and imagine you know what this technology can do for us in a kind of a broader big picture way and uh, and create uh, frameworks and and guardrails uh, for uh, which areas we should be uh, directing these resources towards and which areas we should be staying away from and also keeping an eye out for the potential for bias and discrimination so there's a lot here. And so uh, I'm sorry for the very long answer to your question, but there's just an enormous amount to unpack in this, uh, you know, relatively simple question. Well, again, Professor, I really appreciate that you're able to help us and also help our viewers and audience understand this technological collaboration between the two countries. Now, I want to continue our conversation. Again, Professor, you mentioned in both countries, for example, in the U.S. at the Silicon Valley, again, in the article, you mentioned companies such as Microsoft and again, the Google, they all get on the train or get on this unstoppable train in order to develop this GPT uh, uh, process. But meanwhile, Domestically speaking, in China, there are also companies are racing in self in order to get ahead of the game. But meanwhile, in this article, it's so interesting that you mentioned that Elon Musk, and we know currently who's the owner of the Twitter, of course, you and I, we had a conversation about that. And, you, and I quote, it says, we are summoning the demon. Now, help us with understanding what does that mean when Elon Musk mentioned that we are summoning the demon? Is he or how should we understand the drawbacks of GPT or artificial intelligence? And does that mean that we should be also concerned and worried about the existence of technological improvement or technological advancement? What do you say to that? Yeah, I think Elon Musk is always, um, you know, an interesting person to try and um interpret um because you're never quite sure of uh you know his intentions or uh on any given day uh you know whatever he says whether you should put a huge amount of faith in it uh but more significantly uh elon musk and other you know big names such as steve wozniak or was uh who's uh, one of the co-founders of apple mm -hmm. or uh yuval noah Haredi, who's uh you know well-known uh you know best-selling author uh, and several others, several others have <clears throat> uh, signed a letter mm. uh, which uh, has called and they've called for uh, a six month uh, moratorium on doing any development on GPT. Mm. Uh, and their concern is that the ability of uh, the developers uh, to understand what this technology will or will not do uh, is limited and uh, we might be uh, you know essentially creating a frankenstein's monster mm. uh, that gets out of control and uh, you know the developers inherently will not be able to control uh, the outcomes of you know uh, uh, the algorithms that they uh, that they put out and uh, because they're locked in this race nobody's putting their heads up and and looking uh into the horizon towards the horizon to see you know what this may or may not do um so and i think that's a legitimate it's a legitimate concern um uh because uh, you know once this machine uh, you know continues to learn and do better uh you know it is very difficult for mm. even the engineers who have devised it to be able to open the box mm. and uh, you know and 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 figure out what to do about it or even uh, potentially stop it um and it's not just uh, uh musk and bosniak and harari and several others who uh, expressed this concern 
uh, Jeffrey Hinton, who, you know, most famously, very recently, uh, who used to be called, he's still called the godfather of AI, used to work at Google and stepped down from Google in order to express his concerns. So um, uh, I think this is a worry that a lot of people have. Uh, of course, how do you follow up on this worry? Uh, Elon Musk has signed the letter, and as soon as he signed the letter, he went off and founded his own GPT venture. Mm. So I don't necessarily put a huge amount of faith in what Elon Musk says. Mm. Mostly, uh, you need to watch what Elon Musk does. Mm. Professor, I want to wrap up our conversation again as we're looking ahead. Again, you mentioned artificial intelligence plays a significant role in healthcare. Again, this is one of the major critical, uh, um, I guess, issues not just happening outside U.S., but particularly inside the U.S. Now, again, Professor, you spend a good amount of time on this article explaining that how artificial intelligence is actually helping the development of healthcare system and also the uh, uh, could po possibly fix the uh, uh, the current loopholes or dilemmas. Now, help us to understand in the long run how effective is artificial intelligence in terms of the healthcare system, and how much faith should we place in this artificial intelligence when we see the change and the modification of the healthcare system, particularly in the U.S. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you think about the application of artificial intelligence in healthcare, there are many, uh, you know, very important signs to look at. Um, we celebrated, uh, you know, the arrival of ChatGPT with a massive amount of media focus mm. uh, and public interest in uh, what this, uh, you know, new technology can do ever since November of 2022. Um Another massive breakthrough in AI in the area of healthcare uh, passed us by earlier in 2022 with uh, a fraction of the coverage. Mm. And uh, this is uh, 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 a development uh, uh, by uh, a system called AlphaFold. Mm. And uh, what it can do uh, is uh, AlphaFold demonstrated that it could predict the structure of almost every protein cataloged by science. And what that means in plain English is that it could revolutionize the discovery of new medicines and uh, make it much more efficient uh, mm. to uh, produce the drugs and produce the treatments and vaccines uh, that we all rely on for our, our, our health and treatment of, uh, of illnesses. And in the past and historically, uh, it's been a, an extremely expensive and time-consuming process to uh, develop drugs and new treatments. It takes decades. Uh, the failure rate is incredibly high and it costs billions of dollars. Mm. And a lot of that time and money can be saved post our understanding of the structure of proteins that AlphaFold is, uh, has enabled. So we are now looking ahead, opening a frontier to completely revolutionize drug discovery. But that requires resources. Mm. It requires more talent and money and data being put against this breakthrough so that it can translate into real life-saving and time-saving and money-saving uh, opportunities. So my concern is we're not going to be able to do that if all of that, uh, those resources are directed mm. to GPT. Mm. 
lots of other areas where uh, artificial intelligence has proven to become uh, uh, an important tool. For instance, catching early signs of breast cancer mm. uh, on uh, mammograms. Uh, increasingly, AI has become a, a support system, a tool uh, that radiologists turn to. And in many cases, it's actually finding cancers that an expert radiologist has not been able to spot. So this is another thing, you know, for us to continue to work on. It's not just breast cancer. Lots of other ways in which uh, AI has become a diagnostic tool, such as, uh, you know, you and I are talking and the AI system can gauge the way I talk and you talk and be able to tell is there some, you know, some cognitive issue uh, that is affecting either one of us. That's powerful. You know, quite often doctors can't tell this. Uh, a family member can't tell this, but the algorithm might be able to catch, uh, you know, cognitive decline or some kind of a mental issue uh, just by the sound of the voice or uh, by intonation and uh, facial expression and so on. That's the positive side on uh, and yet another massive positive issue. And this is something uh, that suggests how limited human intelligence itself is because we have limited memories. Mm. We have just declared the end of a pandemic. Uh, the WHO has just declared the end of the COVID-19 pandemic. That's right. Now, it is astounding that something as major as what hit us in 2020 uh, has ended in 2023. And the reason for that is that in record time, we managed to discover vaccines that are highly effective. It has never happened before, uh, this kind of a breakthrough and fast development of vaccines. Now, how did we get there? It took many different uh, uh, technological and scientific breakthroughs to get there. One major part of that was artificial intelligence. Mm. In the absence of the use of artificial intelligence, we would not be where we are today mm. in terms of declaring an end to the pandemic. So these are things for us to keep in mind in terms of how critical this technology is to our lives and to our future. I'll make one more point and then shut up. During the pandemic, when hospital systems, healthcare systems were struggling to keep up with the patient load of people coming into these systems and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people were just dying because you could not even diagnose, you know, who had COVID and who did not and who needed to be rushed to uh, intensive care and who could be kept out in the corridor. Mm. Um, back then, we did not, and this is in the uh, 2020, uh, back then we did not have reliable tests, or even if we had a test, uh, it took days, if not weeks, to uh, tell if somebody had tested positive. Lots of AI algorithms have been developed uh, to uh, be able to tell if somebody has COVID based on an analysis of their symptoms. Most of them failed. Mm. Most of them failed. Mm. And as a result, we could not save many, 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 many lives. Now, most of them failed because they did not have adequate time, adequate resources, adequate data to train those algorithms. We have just completed the cycle of one pandemic. Mm. The next pandemic is going to be around the corner. That's right. No doubt about it. That's right. So why are we not thinking about now turning our attention and resources and data to make sure that we have these algorithms ready to catch the symptoms when the next thing strikes us. So with that rather dark thought, I'll give the floor back to you. Well, again, Professor, 
this is a very alarming question, and believe me, that you are not the only one who has been thinking about this. Of course, I 100% agree with you that when we are looking at the benefits of implementing artificial intelligence in our lives, but also on the other side is we need to learn the lessons from the previous pandemic and able to figure out the better strategies, how to tackle the next pandemic with better and more effective art, uh, uh, technological innovations. Again, not just the chat GPT, not just the artificial intelligence, it's the collective effort globally. Well, again, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to speak to Dr. Shakavorty. Again, Dr. Shakavorty is the Dean of the Global Business at Tufts University's Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy. And again, his latest article is entitled, How GPT Media Could Harm AI Innovation. Professor, thank you so much for taking your time to be on the show. Again, it's always been a pleasure and rather it's a treat to speak to someone like you and help us to understand it's not just about the artificial intelligence, it's really the deeper questions that we need to address today for the better future. So again, thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, bro. Always a pleasure.